Well, Merry Christmas. Oh, we hope that you had a wonderful day yesterday with family, friends, uh, with those that, uh, that you love dearly. And this morning we come together and we continue our Christmas celebration as we focus upon Jesus. When we think about Jesus, he changes our lives. If we allow him to transform us, it brings smiles on our faces, joy in our hearts, no matter what the circumstances of life. And so today, we welcome you with that thought at First Baptist Church, Sun City West. If you're a guest today and this is the first time you've been here, we'd love for you to fill out a guest card. The cards are in the pew in front of you, and as you fill them out, and when you leave today, just drop them in one of the offering boxes at the exits when you leave. We would appreciate that very much. Join me in a time of prayer, and then we are going to continue to sing the songs of the Christmas season. Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity that you've given us to come. We are grateful. We're thankful. Father, we're blessed beyond measure. And I pray that in this service that you will continue to speak to us as you have throughout this Christmas season. And Father, I pray that the light that we lit on Christmas Eve will continue not only today, but Father, as we look to a new year and all the opportunities and adventures that you're going to provide before us, help us to be faithful always with the light of Christ shining through our lives, our words, our actions, our witness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand as we sing together a medley of hymns to come and worship.
Good morning, church. That was a beautiful song, wasn't it? Worthy of praise. Are you ready to go to the Lord in prayer this morning? Let us pray. Oh, Father, this morning, as we come to you, you know, as your body, Sun City West, Father God, we, it's a wonderful song, worthy, worthy of praise, Father God. Abba, you're wonderful. Your love for us is so great. And we recognize that you love us so much, Father, that you give us the ultimate present we have at Christmas, Father. You give us eternal life. You give us your son on the cross, Calvary, through his blood, resurrection. That's the ultimate, ultimate present for us, Father. And we thank you for that. We thank you so much for your love for us that in return, we want to give our love to you as well, Father, and we want to give you the ultimate present back, which is our lives, us, Father God, in return, that you would help us, Father, to understand, help us to surrender, help us, Father God, teach us how to do that, teach us how to love, teach us how to surrender, and teach us how to give that to you. The ultimate present back, which is our life's entirety, our whole life to you, Father. And I thank you for that this morning. As Pastor Kennedy delivers your message, Father, uh, I ask that your spirit, your spirit would flow, Father God, in this body. Hearts, lives, salvation, Father God. That knees would bow. I pray this morning that around this world, thousands, not one, but thousands of people, Father God, lives would be saved, that they would acknowledge you, Lord Jesus Christ, accept you into their hearts this morning. And I say thousands across this world through this whole season of reflecting the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, the present, the ultimate present that you gave us. Thank you, Father, so much for that. We look forward to the rest of this service this morning. Like I said, Pastor Kennedy's message that he's going to that you're going to deliver through him father as well as uh, the songs and the praise and worship thank you father in your precious name lord jesus christ amen all lead busy lives, but if we could just stop everything and take a bird's eye view, a little higher, there, now we can see the multitudes. We are fueled by a shared vision to bring the name of Christ to those who have yet to hear. So we move forward to extreme places, corners of the world that have no access to the gospel. We train missionaries, send them out together, and pray that God's grace be known. We help the hurting, comfort the dying, give hope to the displaced, and have seen thousands come to faith in Christ. We are able to do so much more together than if we were chasing this vision alone. This is our common effort, together. In the pew racks in front of you, there are still offering envelopes if you have not taken opportunity to give,
toward the Light Moon Christmas offering. If you have not already received your January update, be on the lookout for that because you will be excited to see how much we've already received. But there's still time for you to give. Some 3,700 missionaries in 180 plus countries across the world will use those dollars to share the good news of Christ. Let's continue singing some Christmas carols beginning with the first Noel.
scripture this morning is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, from the New International Version. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those with whom his favor rests. When the angel left and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as were told them. 
This is the word of the Lord. There has never been a gift like Jesus. In this world at war, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. In any dominion of darkness, Jesus is the light. In our culture of confusion, Jesus is our wonderful counselor. When we are weary and weak, Jesus is our mighty God. Rejoice, for in Jesus we have been given all we need. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift.
What a beautiful song. Thank you so much, choir. And Doris, thank you for the reading of our scripture today. God's divine message of hope. From Genesis all the way through the course of the Old Testament, there was a continual prophecy, the prophecy of the coming Messiah, the Deliverer, the one who would take away the sins of humankind. It was communicated through the servants, his prophets, through the writings, those who listened to God. And here we find that the message of hope and the messenger of hope has become a reality on that first Christmas day. God's divine message. The God who created all things. The God who spoke into existence everything that we know out of absolutely nothing. God's divine message that presents hope to a world that is lost, darkened. That on that Judean night over 2,000 years ago, it all became a reality. And as we reflect back on that particular night, it should become a reality for each of us. There are four things that I want to lift out of this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 2, if I might. First, we find that God's message of hope is revealed. We see that in verses 10 through 14. Uh, the scripture will be on the, uh, on the screen in front of you, but I want to talk about, launching from this passage of scripture, what that means for us. Here are the shepherds. They were taking care of their sheep outside of Bethlehem and those fields that were open. The sheep probably were bound for the temple sacrifices, ultimately. You think about these shepherds. Unlike the days of David, when shepherds were well thought of, family members taking care of their sheep, as a class group, shepherds in the time of the birth of Jesus, they had a bad reputation. The nature of their calling kept them from observing the ceremonial law, which meant so much to the religious people of the day. The commentator, Leon Morris, says it like this. More regrettable was their unfortunate habit of confusing mine with thine as they moved about the country. They were considered unreliable. In fact, they were not even allowed to come and give testimony in the court of law. The shepherds were among the lowest group if you looked at the social scale in Israel. But this first public proclamation of the good news of the hope that had been prophesied from the very beginning of written recorded time came to those who were social outcasts, not the elite not the religious leaders of the day. You see, the choice of God was deliberate. 
since the gospel was for all people, it was announced first and foremost to a group that many would exclude from society. But God would not exclude them from the good news. He not only would not exclude them, that he made that first proclamation on that first Christmas to them. Hardworking, taking care of their flocks, something they had done day after day, night after night, year after year, until that amazing night. So it was to the shepherds and for all people, and it was delivered by the angel. The word angel means messenger. He's not identified here, but what his appearance did that night struck terror in the minds and the hearts of the shepherds. You can just imagine that. What they've been doing on a consistent, ongoing basis, all of a sudden, they have this amazing light and an angel standing before them and the glory of the Lord shined upon them and the angel begins communicating something that would seem foreign they're wondering if it's a dream they're pinching themselves they're hitting each other are you seeing what I'm seeing are, are you hearing what I'm hearing and they're cowering because they are afraid let me tell you if that happened to me I'd probably be one of the first ones afraid. Can you imagine? An angel? I mean, we get into the Word of God. We study the Word of God. We hear what God speaks to us through the power of His Spirit. But listen, these shepherds did not have what we have. And for God to bring His messenger to speak with them, it was absolutely amazing and so they were terrified they were terrified by the visit and they were somewhat taken back by the message the angel if you look at verses 10 through 12 talks about calming their fears he he said do not be afraid in other words stop if you look at the words it actually means stop being afraid you don't have to worry about it i'm not going to hurt you it was a similar statement made to Mary when she was about to be told that she was going to be carrying God's Son. Don't be afraid. The same type of words that was given to Joseph when he was going to move her to the side, and yet the angel said, don't be afraid. And don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. It's the calming voice that God gives us in the midst of a lot of trials and tribulations, in the midst of our times of fear and being terrified. It's the quiet voice that speaks to our heart. You don't need to be afraid. Stop being afraid. And the messenger said, listen, I, I have a message of hope to you. And it's a message of hope that is going to be of great joy, not just to you shepherds, but to everyone. The message that had been communicated all through the years had finally become a reality. 
That angelic message focuses on the one who had come. And there are three terms that the angel used in his message. Use Savior and Messiah and Lord. And it's significant that these three titles are used. The word Savior was very familiar to both the Jews and the Gentiles. It means healer, deliverer, benefactor. Jesus is an extension of the Old Testament idea of God saving and delivering his people. To call Jesus Savior, as the angel did, is to relate him directly to God, the Son of God. And then he used the word Messiah, which means Christ, the anointed one, the one that would serve as king in fulfillment of God's promises to King David. Anointing was for a special service in the Old Testament of that of a, of a priest or a king. But because of the prophecies of the Messiah, the Jews expected that one day, one day, God was going to bring that special deliverer to them. And the angel says to the shepherds, today is that day. He would not simply be an anointed one he is the anointed one the messiah and the third term is the word lord go back and it's used in the greek translation of the old testament the septuagint is to represent yahweh it speaks of the divine nature of the one who is born that he's not just simply a human baby being born but this is god becoming incarnate god with us Emmanuel. John the Baptist fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 40 and verse 3 when he says there is one who will come and prepare the way and make the way straight for the one, the Messiah, the Deliverer. And John the Baptist understood this as his ministry began and as he fulfilled what God desired in his heart and his life through his ministry all of a sudden, he looked up one day and he said in John 1.29, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, referring to Jesus. That Messiah, he's come. The one who is the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. It is the Son of God, the special deliverer who has come. To bring hope and life and light to all men and women and children. And so the angel delivered his message. But the question lingers in our minds, well, how would they find this child? Because in Bethlehem, I'm sure that there were numerous children born on that particular day. It was a day like any other day in most families. The angel said, listen, this will be a sign to you. This baby will be lying in a manger. Not a comfortable bed or a, a guest room or in a house, but a place, a trough, where the animals will feed. This is going to be his bed. And then something dramatic happened in verses 13 and 14. Not only was there the one angel that delivered the message, but the scripture says that a host of angels came you go back and look at that word host it's it's the idea the the word for an army in fact in the rabbinic writings 
heavenly host meant an army of angels, and that's exactly who filled the sky around those shepherds. If it hadn't been for the calming effect of the angel, I would imagine that all of these shepherds would have gone absolutely crazy with a heavenly host all around them. And what were they doing? They were singing, praising God for the long-awaited Messiah who has come. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to whom his favor rests. Wow. Wouldn't you have liked to be those first shepherds? As fearful as that might have been, and yet at the same time to, to experience what God had orchestrated and been sp speaking about for so many years. Even the shepherds in the lowest state that they were in even they knew that there was a deliverer coming a messiah longing for him and here they are we see the grace of god is active and ongoing he is not a detached god he is not a god who's not involved in our lives and what's going on on the earth which he created he is deeply involved we find from jesus's teachings that he knows every hair on our head, every bird that falls. He is very engaged, and he's engaged to understand the darkness of our hearts without Christ, the darkness of sin because of our choosing. And so the Messiah has come. Verse 14 expresses that grace of God and says, I want you to know, and I want you to tell everyone, redemption has come. So God's message of hope is revealed. We also find that God's message of hope is obeyed. If you look at verses 15 and 16, there is this sense of obedience. Obedience means that once you hear something and you understand it, then you obey it. You hear it, you understand it, and then you follow the directions. Husband and wife were discussing the possibility about going to the Holy Land and and uh, the husband said, wouldn't it be fantastic to, uh, to be able to go to the Holy Land and stand on Mount Sinai and shout out the Ten Commandments? And his wife looked at him and said, you know, it would probably be better if we stayed here and kept them. <laughs> Obedience. The shepherds set out to find the child. The Bible says that when the heavenly host finished praising God, that they went to heaven, went back. And there was that stillness again, that dark Judean night. They could have looked around at each other and said, man, I tell you what, this was a great time. In the sense, a little reminiscent of the Mount of Transfiguration, where Peter said, hey, let's, let's, build, let's build an altar here because we met God here, and that wasn't the point. And Jesus told them that. And there wasn't a point here for the, uh, the shepherds to say, hey, why don't we build a shelter here, like a worship place, and so we will always remember this encounter. <coughs> no, that wasn't it. It goes beyond that. This uh, verse 15 is not the easiest to translate, but basically they looked at each other and said, come on guys, let's go. 
That's what they chose to do. They set out to do exactly and to be obedient in the exact way that the angel told them to do that. And you look at verse 16, you find that it indicates that they didn't discuss this very long, but immediately. The verse indicates that immediately after the angels made their announcement, the shepherds went to Bethlehem, and guess what they found? They were given basically a map to find the child, the Messiah, the only one lying in the manger. They found it all just like the angel had said, truth, the verification. They saw the baby lying in the manger. I want you to know that obedience to what God says in his word and how he wants us to live, it has its rewards. They saw the Messiah before anyone else did, other than Mary and Joseph. The hymn writer John Samus said it well so many years ago when he wrote the words to this song. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. And while we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Trust and obey. That's exactly what the shepherds did. It's exactly what God was hoping for when he sent the angel, the messenger, to deliver the message of the proclamation that the messenger of hope has arrived. And they were obedient. They did their job. And we segue then to the third part that I want to lift out of this passage in verses 17 and 18, that God's message of hope was proclaimed. Here we find that the shepherds, they saw the Savior. They saw for themselves and confirmed exactly what was told them. I can't help but go back, fast forward a few years, When Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared before the disciples behind those closed locked doors, and they saw Jesus resurrected, but Thomas wasn't there. And the disciples told Thomas about it, and Thomas said, I will not believe unless I put my hand in the nail scars. And it was a week later. The disciples, including Thomas, were in the upper room. And Jesus materialized through that door. And Thomas looked at him and fell to the ground. And Jesus said, Thomas, come, feel the nail scars. Touch them. And Thomas just said, my Lord, and my God. They saw. Shepherds saw what was told them. Thomas saw what was told him. And it changed his life. And I believe that we ourselves have to follow through in that kind of obedience as well. You think about that. There is something about 
seeing and confirming when something is foreign to you. And for the shepherds, that's exactly what they did. They saw the Savior, but they didn't just see him and go on their merry way. The scripture says in the last part of verse 17 that while the shepherds saw the Christ child, that, that they, they went away and they shared what had been told them and what they had seen, they shared this grand event. And you know what? It should be no different for us today. Because Christ transformed our lives, because we have personally experienced Christ coming into our life when we've acknowledged our sin, and we've asked forgiveness of our sin, we've asked the Savior of the world to come into our life, to give us redemption, to take away our sin, and we focus our attention on trying to live for Him, it should be a natural desire then to want to share what He's done for us with other people. It's a natural reaction, is to tell all that we have seen and heard. And you know what? It's available to all people. But I want you to know, for those of you that have given your life to Christ, He shared it with you. With the full intention of giving you life everlasting and the full intention of you passing that on. Here we find the poorest among us. Like the poor shepherds, everyone deserves to hear the good news of Christ. Well, the shepherds were not the only, uh, not only the ones to first hear the proclamation that the Savior of the world has come, but they were the first humans to share the good news, to tell people what they had seen and what they had heard, and they were quick to respond to the announcement of these heavenly messengers, this heavenly host. And they were equally diligent to make sure that that was known to other people. And we should be as diligent as well. <coughs> I think their witness had an impact. Now, granted, the scripture says that everybody that they told were amazed. I'm sure that there were some who kind of scratched their heads and said, you know, these are shepherds, by the way. <laughs> I, this sounds like some kind of fanciful thing that they've said. And I know that there were probably some who knew the Old Testament prophecies well and said, boy, do you, do you think this could be it? And there were still others who said, oh, the Messiah has come. I'm thinking specifically of people like Anna and Simeon. Praying and longing for the Christ. <coughs> George Littlefield um, was a man that I met years ago. And he was in his 80s. I'd go and talk with George about accepting Christ. He was a widower and he just was self-sufficient, kind of a self-made man. A couple of our deacons at different times um, Herman and, and Jay, they'd go to his house and they would share the good news of Christ. They would talk to him about his spiritual condition and what happens if he were to die. All of those things over a period of about a year or a year and a half 
There were seeds being planted. One day I visited George in the hospital. And I said, George, we've, we've prayed for you and we've talked with you and you've had Herman and Jay who have come beside you and been your friends and, and they have shared what's most important in their lives. George, I wonder if now is the time that you might like to ask Christ to come into your heart. And the self-made man, George Littlefield, who had resisted that entire year, year and a half, didn't want to hear about it, he looked at me and he said, I would love to. You see, people, people need to hear. We've got to proclaim the message one-on-one, -on -one, building friendships, sharing that which is most important to us. And I tell you what, George Littlefield didn't live a whole lot longer, a few months down the line, but the angels rejoiced in heaven when he gave his life to Christ. And when he breathed his last, he was welcomed into the gates of heaven. That is a cause for joy. That's why the angels said, glory to God in the highest. We give glory to God. And he has entrusted us with that wonderful message. The last thing I want to pull out of this passage of Scripture is that God's message of hope is celebrated. <coughs> we think of celebrations, special events that take place, but I think of celebrations also in the realm of worship. Hopefully when we worship together, we celebrate. To worship means to have an attitude of reverence, of submission to God. We, we come to the realization that we are the creation and God is the creator. So many people switch that around and we think we're the creator. We create things. We do things. We're the ones who know best. The reality is that that's not true. We're the creation. But we find that when we come to worship, we're to give thanks to him and let him know first and foremost that he is the one. I look at this passage of scripture in verse 20 and I see that the shepherds, they didn't just stay at the manger. But they went back to their flocks. They went back to their profession. They went back to their real life. But they were changed. They had deep new emotions. God had spoken to them and they saw the Messiah. And they told people about it. And they continued, the scripture says in verse 20, they continued glorifying God through all of this. You know, sometimes we give our life to Christ at an early age. And, man, we're excited. We, there's just something that changes in us. But if we've been a Christian a long time and over the years, we kind of get into these routines, right? And we know the scriptures pretty well and we have a pretty good routine of our Christian life and it's hard for us to get overly excited about much. 
I want to think that these shepherds never forgot that night. And it changed them. And I never want to forget the day when I was six years old and I made the decision to give my life to Jesus. I will never forget that. But I want that joy and that excitement that I felt, not just the feeling, but what changed in me, I want that to never diminish, to bring joy. And so when I come and I worship, I want to celebrate what God has done in my life. I think about what Neil Strait says. He says, worship is in part listening to what God might say to us through music and through words and through fellowship. It is also our response to what he speaks. Worship has occurred when life responds with an openness to how God could change our lives. So our lives, even though we go back to what our lives are, they should never be the same. They should be changed. And that's what happened to the shepherds. And it should happen to us. The entrance of the Christ child into this world, it should have made a great impact on our lives when we invited him to come into our person world. And so this is the message of hope. It's the message of hope that says, from the very beginning of time and before, God had already determined that Jesus would come. Paul clearly communicates that, that God had a plan of salvation before we were ever created. He still gave us the free choice. And we chose incorrectly, every one of us. But he knew that. And he provided the opportunity. And this season, we celebrate that opportunity becoming a reality in the birth of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him this morning, I would ask you to allow him to come into your life and birth new life into you. And for believers today, which is the majority of us today, I would ask you to rededicate and recommit your life as we go into a brand new year in just a few days. And we say, we're going to be the light. We're going to do some of the things the shepherd said. We're going to make sure that this continues to be exciting for us. Because Jesus changed my life. And today might be a day that God says, you know what, as you start a brand new year, I want you to be part of this church, part of this family. And together, we're going to worship, we're going to fellowship, we're going to learn, and we're going to serve. Father, as we go into our time of invitation, our prayer is pretty simple. Thank you for sending your messenger to the shepherds to communicate that the Messiah has come. And this morning, we invite you to speak to us in whatever decisions we need to make and that we would be like the shepherds and we would set out and we would immediately make those decisions and however they need to influence and change our lives, that, Father, we would do that through the power of your Spirit who lives inside of us.
And so this morning, we listen and we choose to follow you. It's in the name of our Savior we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our invitation hymn. You come as God leads you. Please be seated for just a moment. That would be our prayer for you. And as we enter into 2022, I pray that we will experience peace personally and in our community, in our country, in our world. And the only one who can bring peace, inner peace, is Christ. We want joy. We want love. We want peace. As we have celebrated the Advent each and every week, those beautiful banners that talk about hope and peace and joy and love with Christ being the center. And as we begin a new year, that's what we want as the center of your life, Christ. These are the qualities and characteristics that will flow. And let everyone know Nancy, I'll let you share what we have, and we look forward to a brand new year ahead. The beautiful flowers on the altar table today are provided by James and Lisa Nelson in loving memory and honor of their parents, Dr. Stan and Norma Nelson. We Amen. appreciate those so very much. Men, you have a men's breakfast coming up a week from Tuesday. So we're not changing in 2022 what we've really perfected in 2021, and that's eating. <laughs> but we need you to sign up either today or next Sunday so that there will be enough food for you. Jim Ross will be the special speaker, and that will be at 8 o'clock on Tuesday, January the 4th. I want to brag on you because during the month of December only, you have brought almost 200 pounds of food 
that have been taken to St. Mary's Free Link. Throughout this calendar year, it is close to 2,000 pounds, and if you add those to the some eight to 10,000 pounds you've already brought since we started this ministry, you have fed lots of people. And if you would like to bring some this week, the office will be open all day tomorrow and Tuesday and until noon on Wednesday, and you certainly may drop those off. We appreciate so much the offering that you have been giving, and we continue to applaud you for your generosity. You'll notice on the back of your bulletin, there's a women's Bible study and a men's Bible study coming up in January. You'll make note of when those begin and when they will be, uh, who will be leading them and so forth. The caregiver support group, the single only sisters. So a lot of things are continuing. Tomorrow, the ladies' stitches of love group will meet at 930. But if you would like to receive credit in the year 2021, any gifts, <coughs> excuse me, donations need to be postmarked by the 31st or dropped off at the office before noon on Wednesday. Our financial secretary, Carol Wood, is going to come and lead us in our closing prayer. She does not like to be in front of you, but I enjoy hearing her pray. So if you would stand, Carol is going to come and lead us in that prayer. most gracious Heavenly Father, how we love you, how we thank you for this reminder that you are the source of our joy, that it is through your spirit, Lord, that we can feel your presence, and we know you're here today, and we thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we fall in love with you over and over and over, and continue to grow in our love for you, Lord, for we know you already loved us. So we pray you be with us as we go on our different directions home, especially throughout this week. The rest of this week, there's still busyness going on. But help us to remember, Lord, that you are the reason that we need to share the good news of Jesus Christ, that you died for each one of us, Lord, as if we'd been the only one. And I pray for each family member here, those that are visiting, those that have traveled. Keep them safe, Lord. Bring us all back together, Lord, for this next week, and especially as we prepare for the new year of 2022. Oh my Lord, how we're so desperate for you to come soon. And we thank you, Lord, for your love. For it's in your son's precious name that I pray, amen.